We're in the middle of a series called Walk the Line, if you couldn't tell by that song. And we're excited about uh, where God has been taking us as a church through this series. We've been looking at the book of Ephesians, which was a book that is actually a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus, a, a town of believers, believers that he had set up a church in not too long prior, <clears throat> prior to, and that he had... Uh, great love for and great concern for, and, and he would write to them often and inspire them and encourage them and, and, and speak about the scriptures to them and, and continue to uh, enhance their walk with Christ and their, and their newfound love for this God that they had never known before. And so the first six weeks of, of this book that we went through, the previous series that we went through was called Identity. And we were looking at what it means to have the identity of Christ. If we're going to live this life according to the way that God wants us to live it, live it, we have to have an identity shift. We have to have a change in who we are. And so for six weeks, we looked at what does that identity look like? When, when somebody goes from death into life, which is what we as Christians believe, that we, we once were dead, even though physically we're alive, that once we were dead in our sins, that, that spiritually we were dead. If we're going to go from that into life, there's a, a huge identity that has to, has to change, and, and the old has to go away, the new has to come. And we looked at what that looks like, we looked at, at, at what, what a life looks like and what a church looks like that has that identity change. In this new series that we're in right now, we're in week three of six, and we've been looking at, okay, so we know that our identity has changed, and if, if you haven't come to Christ yet, um, then, then you don't know that identity changed. We hope that, that you find that uh, here at Crosspoint. That's, that's one of our big goals here. But if you have that identity change, that's great. But what, what does that mean, practically speaking? What does that life look like? What new things do we do? What things are we, maybe we used to do that we're not doing anymore? And what does the body of Christ look like in this identity change? So we've been talking about this idea of walking the line, towing the line, making a life change, and making our practice, our habits, change in the process. So we've been kind of basing it on this song by Johnny Cash, obviously, and uh, played a little bit of it there for you. Johnny Cash wrote that song right after he became a married man. So he had a major identity change. He changed from a single man to a married man. And he did what in the previously in his life had done single man things, and now he's doing married man things. A major transition for me in my life was the same kind of transition when I got married. I got married about five and a half years ago, and my identity changed overnight. My practice changed gradually over time. We, uh, both Jessica and I both have, have changed our habits. We've changed the way that we live our life, and, and we've been walking the line of marriage. We've been towing the line of a married woman or a married man, and so that's what we're looking at in this series. That's what we're looking at today. In week one, we talked about the idea of unity, that the body of Christ, we are one. We are one body. Yes, there's many people here where there's about 70 or 80 of us that come here every Sunday, and, and yet we are one. We are of one mind. We are serving one God. We have one faith, one baptism. We are one. Last week, we looked at uh, almost, it sounds at first maybe a contradiction to that. We talked about how we are all different. We are all diverse. And and I love the way that Shane put it. He talked about, he said, yes, we're, we are one, we are unified, but that doesn't mean that we are uniform. We're unified, but we are not uniform. 
Last week we talked about how we all have different gifts. We all have different abilities. We all have different personalities. Um, if you have a group of people that are uniform, that, that look the same, they, they wear this, all the same clothes, they, they, they talk the same, they eat the same food, uh, it's kind of scary, right? Like you see that kind of, it's like a cult, really, uh, people that kind of do all the same things all the time. That's not what God wants. God wants us to be diverse within this unity that we have. So we're not uniform, we're, we're unified, and we do that through our gifts. And we're going to piggyback right off of that last verse. We looked at Ephesians 4.11 last week, if you remember, and we looked at the five-fold personality gifts that God gives. He gives some people to be apostles, uh, some to be, uh, well, let's go ahead and throw that verse up on the screen, verse 4.11. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. And we don't have time to go back into that. If you missed the, the message last week, we encourage you to, to get it on our website. Um, you can get to our website, cpf.me, cpf.me, crosspointfellowship.me. And uh, you can uh, get all of our messages. You can actually go back four years worth of messages and, and get them all for free. And we make that available to you so that you can hear exactly where we've been and where we're going. And so uh, if you missed that last week, we encourage you to do that and uh, see what all those different gifts were. But now today what we're going to focus on is this idea of maturity. And not just maturity, not just growing myself but me growing you, helping you mature, and you helping me mature, and you helping the person next to you mature. It's this idea that we can use our gifts to mature one another, to grow together on this journey. So the cat, kind of the, the catchphrase to this series, the subtitle has been the journey of identity. Uh, it's walk the line, the journey of identity. We're all on this journey together. Um, When I moved out here from California, I grew up in San Francisco Bay Area, I I took the long journey of driving here. I I wanted to take my vehicle with me. My vehicle didn't make it all the way out here. I did. My vehicle didn't. That's a story for another day. But but I I drove out here from San Francisco. It was about a 26-hour drive. I did it in in several days, of course. And I I did it alone. And 26 hours on the road in, in the middle of See, there's some parts of, of America that are beautiful. Like if you go to Utah, gorgeous, Salt Lake, uh, Colorado, the mountains. Then you get to the plains of Nebraska and Kansas, and it just, it just thins out, and it's flat. And the, 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 only, the only thing that's keeping you from seeing any further is just the curvature of the earth. It's just flat as, as, far, as, as far as the eye can see. And, and, and there's just nothing out there. And I'm thinking, man, this would be so much more fun if I had somebody in the car with me, somebody to talk to, somebody to keep me awake. Uh, I was driving late into the night and trying to roll the windows down, just trying to stay awake. The journey, when you go on a journey, it's, it's more fun when you go with other people, right? You don't want to go on a long trip by yourself. Everyone wants somebody to go with. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today is journeying together going on this trip together, building our car, this, this, this thing called the church. Sometimes we call it the church, the body of Christ. Today, Shane and I are, are, are using the analogy of a car. That if, if we're going to go on this journey together, we've got to build this car, and we've got to build it strong. We've got to build it well. So let's look at verse 12. Uh, we just looked at how God gives all these gifts to the church, and it's not just for the super Christians, it's not just for the pastors, it's not for the, for the, the paid staff, that, that we all have these gifts. If you are a believer this morning, you have, I guarantee you, you have been given a gift, and God wants you to use that. But let's see how he wants us to use it, in, in one way at least. Verse 12, 
Their responsibility, that's you, that's your responsibility, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Your responsibility is not just to use your gift in the church and to use your gift in your workplace and in your neighborhood, but we see here that it's your responsibility to equip others, to give other people that which they need in order to develop their own gift. Um, We see that um, teachers in the church me being included, your small group leader, if you're in a small group, my job is, is not up here to, to, to do your work for you. I, we love it when guests come. We love it when, when unbelievers come. We, we love it when people come here and they, they're kicking the tires of, of this Jesus thing and this church thing, and they're not sure about us. But, but my job isn't to, for, to lead your coworkers and your friends to Christ. That's, that's your job. Your responsibility is to pour into other people's lives and to equip other people. But Furthermore, from this verse, your job is also to do what I'm doing right now. So I'm, I'm trying my best to, to look at the scripture and to teach and to, to equip you, and that's great, but if it just stops there, that's not what God intended. God wants all of us to equip everyone else. God's, God's responsibility that he's placed on you is that you equip others as well. The whole context, how, how I know that, is that the whole context of this whole passage, and we, we didn't have a chance to go back and read all the verses leading up to this, but Paul is definitely in the frame of mind of every believer. He's been saying that for 11 verses so far. Every believer, every believer, the whole church, everyone, everywhere. And he says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. Um, we're building something here. We're building, we're building this car. So let's look at the, the first uh, point, build your car. And if we're going to build our car uh, this morning uh, through, through the church, the, if this church is this car that's going on this journey together, how do we do that? Now, we looked at in verse 13 uh, that it's, it's going to be a process. It's not going to be an overnight thing. <clears throat> in verse 13, it says that, that we will be mature in the Lord. I'm sorry, we haven't read this verse yet. Sorry. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now that last phrase, I, I think if you've been walking with Christ for any time, or you've been in the church for any time, that can be a little intimidating. Um, and, and if you haven't been in church, let me explain what that means. It's basically saying that we, our goal in life, if you're a believer, if you know Christ, your goal in life is to be as mature as Christ. That we are not done maturing, we're not gr- done growing, and so we've grown into the full stature of Christ. Some other translations say this, the stature of Christ. The full and complete standard of who, everything Christ was, as perfect as he was, as mature as he was, as loving as he was, as merciful as he was, fill in the blank. As blank as he was, that's your goal. Your goal is to be as full and mature as Christ was. Now that's intimidating. I don't know how that feels for you, but to me that's like, man, I, I, I could never get there. When I, when I look at Christ's life and the stories that were told about him and the teachings that he taught, I'll never be there. I'll never get to where he was. And yet Paul says, that's our goal. That's the bar. The bar has been set really, really high, but the bar has been set there at Christ. Now, this kind of begs the, the obvious question. Well, he's, he just said in verse 12 that we're, my, my role, my responsibility is to equip others. Your, your role is the same. Your, your responsibility. How in the world do we do that if I have such a long ways to go, if the bar is set at Christ and it's way, way up there, how do I, how in the world am I supposed to mature anybody? 
I, I myself feel that way. Um, there, there's, I have good days and bad days, just like you probably, where, where you go through the whole day and you go, well, I did pretty good today. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I sinned maybe a couple of times. I maybe told that little white lie or, or, or I, I sped a little bit on the freeway or whatever. But, but, but by and large, I, didn't, I, I wasn't as bad as that guy or this guy. And, and I, I feel like I did pretty good. And then I have other days where I'm just like, man, I'm a mess. I, I, I didn't do anything right today. I, I screwed up left and right every single minute of the day. I just felt like I couldn't do anything right. How in the world could I mature somebody else? Well, the context of this is, I think, is, is very encouraging. I think what Paul is saying is he knows that. Paul's not stupid. He knows that we are not exactly where we want to be and that the measure of Christ is the standard. And yet he still says in that same breath, he says, I want you to equip one another. So my encouragement to you this morning is that, that maybe it's not that you've set the bar too high, but that you've set the bar too low. Maybe it's not that you've set the bar too high, but you set the bar too low. You have said, okay, well, if I just achieve this, this level of maturity, and you've, and you've set the, the, the bar arbitrarily, you've just said, well, okay, well, if I get to this point, if I stop cussing, or if I stop, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start maturing other people when I start, uh, when I stop looking at pornography, or, or when, I, when I stop doing this habit, then, then I'll be mature enough. Then I can start maturing other people. Let me, let me tell you this. You have not set the bar too high. You've set the bar too low. The, the bar is way higher than, than you think. The bar is Christ. So if, if the bar, bar is, is above all of us in the room, nobody in this room is going to ever achieve that, much, that level of maturity, who are you to say that you're not mature enough to, to, to help somebody else grow? You're in the process of growing. They're in the process of growing. So your responsibility, according to uh, verse 12 that we just said, is to equip others to maturity, to, to take the next step. Um, this has never been more evident to me than a few years ago. I, I was teaching a small group in, in a home, uh, the Roses family, Roses home, if you remember the Roses that used to go here. And I'll never forget, we were sitting in the basement of their home having this small group, and we were looking at, we were talking about the same subject matter, and we were talking about maturity and growing in faith, growing in Christ. And I, and, and I had Clyde Napier, he sits over here, he, he, he's a, a, an older gentleman in our church, and we had a, a, wide age, a wide range of ages in this group. We had some 30-sums and some 40-sums. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. And he, he, I'll never forget, we were talking about, you know, how, how do you know when you've, when you've gotten closer to Christ, when you're getting closer to the goal? And he said, uh, you know, he'd been walking with Christ that, up to that night for 60, 70 years, something like that. And, and in that moment, I realized he, when he said this, he said, I, I feel like I've come a long ways, that I've made a lot of strides towards, towards maturity in Christ, towards this full and complete standard of Christ, but I have such a long ways to go. Oh my gosh, I have just miles and miles and miles and miles to go. And I thought, man, he's, he's got, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to ask your age, Clyde, but he, he's, he's probably a good 40, maybe 50 years older than me, and, and, and so far ahead of the journey, so, so much more mature down the journey than I am. And yet he says, man, I have such a long ways to go. I have such a long ways to go. That to me said, okay, if the journey can never be accomplished in this life, not in this life, in this life, we're not going to ever be as mature as Christ. It also tells me that we're never going to be to the point where we're going to feel ready to mature somebody else. That's never going to happen. You're, if you're waiting for that moment, you've already waited too long. If you're, if you're waiting to get to that point, you've waited too long at this point. So 
self-correct, change course, change the the direction that you've been heading, change the bar that you've set. You've set, I I promise you, you've not set the bar too high. You've set the bar too low. The bar is Christ. Um, We're always tinkering. We're always getting better at this craft of of becoming more and more like Christ. Uh, When I think about tinkering and getting better at something, I think of music. And and obviously, I I love music. I, I play music. I've been playing music for a lot in my life. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's sports. Uh, maybe it's the craft of being a mom or, or the craft that you do at your workplace. But there's always a sense of, I can always get better at this. As, as, as I, I'm not what I was musically, but I'm not where I want to be. I, I want to be a better musician. I want to be a better singer, a better keyboard player. I want to learn other instruments. I want to increase in my musical ability. And yet, I know that I have to tinker to get there. I have to work on this craft. So what is that craft for you, maybe outside of spirituality? Maybe it's sports or, or, or doing what you do at work. But you've got to think of spirituality as uh, of walking with Christ in the same way, that we are always tinkering, we are always getting better. Do you feel, sometimes feel like you've arrived? Do you sometimes feel like, well, I, I've kind of hit that place where I'm, I'm okay for a while? Um, I know I have been there in that place, and let me tell you the secret uh, that, that I found as, as to why, if, you, if you're there now or if you've been there in the past, let me tell you why that is. In times of my life where I've always felt the most mature and that I don't have a whole lot more maturing than I can do, it's always when I've been surrounding myself with people who are um, not as further along in their walk with, as Christ as me. I, I've, I've surrounded myself with, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you've gotten to a place where you've surrounded yourself with people who are less mature than you. And by comparison, you think, well, I'm doing pretty good. So if you're there, I don't know if anyone's there this morning, but if you're there, if you feel like, well, I feel like I'm pretty good. I feel like I'm, I've matured to a pretty good level, and I don't know that I could get a whole lot better than I am right now. Do a self-check. See, it, the, look at the people who are around you, the people that are in your family, the people that you associate with at church or around your friends at work. Do a self-check. If everyone around you is less mature than you, uh, you will stunt your growth. You will stunt your ability to mature and grow any further. Now, I'm not saying pull yourself completely out of that context because obviously we're saying that you need to mature others as well, and you can't do that if you're not around people who are less mature than you. But if you're around only people who are less mature than you, you're not going to grow. You're not going to mature. I've been there in the past where I, I think probably even intentionally put people around me that I felt good around. And, and I had to repent of that. I had, had to say, no, God, put me in places where I can grow and where I can mature. And hopefully that cross point is that place for you. Hopefully there are people around you that inspire you. There are people around here that inspire me to live more holy lives all the time. So we know that it takes a lifetime. It's never going to happen in this life. We know that we have to surround ourselves with both people that we can mature, that we can speak into, and people that are going to mature us. But what does this look like? Practically speaking, specifically speaking, what are we talking about? What does maturity look like? Um, Shane and I, this week, were talking about this message, and and he, he thought, um, you know, it's, he had this thought. He said, it's not book smarts. We, we need to make sure that people know it's not book smarts. It's not getting on American Bible Challenge and winning the, whatever the prize is. I've never seen that show, but the million dollars or $10,000 or whatever it is. It's not being this Bible trivia guru where you can just quote scripture. It, it, have you met somebody like this that you just meet him and you're just like, man, that guy knows everything there is to know about the Bible. He can walk circles around me and, and just, and just quote stuff, and it's like, man, that guy's the most mature person I've ever met when it comes to Christianity. And 
the, the dirty little secret is that that doesn't make you mature. Um, know, knowing a lot about the Bible. Now, reading your Bible is important. Knowing what the Bible says is important. But that does not equal maturity. I was thinking this week about what, one of me and Jessica's favorite TV shows on television right now is on CBS. It's The Big Bang Theory. Does anybody watch The Big Bang Theory? I love that show. It's, it's really, really funny. We've, I've, we've seen every episode. And um, when you see these guys, these guys, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's, it's these bunch of, of, of science nerds. They're, they're, they're the top of their game. They're top of their scientific class. They, they teach classes at the college level, but they're in their like, late 20s, early 30s. And they, when it comes to scientific theory and, and aeronautics and all these kind of things, I mean, they, they know more than anyone else on the planet. And then you see their daily life. You see their, their everyday life that they're, they're going through. And, and they're, you know, I, I'm indicting myself here when I say this, but they're, they're, they read comic books, they, re, they play video games, all the things that I enjoy. Uh, they're, they're, they're immature in their relationships. They, they, uh, they, they do all these things that, that, like, just a normal 24-year-old or 26-year-old would do, or a 33-year-old, I guess. And, and uh, <laughs> before we get too far, let's be honest. And... Um, and, and, and deep down, they have a, level, a certain level of immaturity, even though they have all these book smarts. They're teaching master's level courses, and yet they're not, they're not mature, not really, not when you look at their lives. So maturity in Christ is the same way. It can't be book smarts. It can't be knowing this book. It can't be knowing the Bible. It can't be all there is to it. So let's, let's see what Paul says. Verse 14. He says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. Ouch. <laughs> Paul, just t- tell me what you really feel, how you really feel about this. We'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. In verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So I see two things in, in, this, in those two verses, one in each verse. In verse 14, he says, maturity looks like somebody who is not easily swayed, is not easily swayed by new teachings. Uh, and, and the second one, we'll, we'll talk about the first one here in a second, but the second one is in verse 15, where he says that this person is able to speak the truth, but to speak it in love. They're able to speak truth into people's lives, but they're able to speak it in love. Let's look at verse 14 first. This is a, a, someone who is mature is somebody who's not easily swayed by new teachings. Now, before we talk about what that means, I want to make sure that we all know that what he's not saying. So what he's not saying is, is that we should never listen to new teachings, okay? So that, that's evident in other pieces of scripture. Paul himself taught new teachings all the time. He, he made his living in this realm, teaching new stuff, new teachings. So he obviously is not trying to say, don't ever listen to new teachings ever. Stick to what you know. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is that we're not t- tossed and blown about by new teachings all the time. That, that whenever a new teaching comes along, we just go with it. You know somebody like this. There's, some, there's someone in your family. There's somebody that you work with, somebody that's in the cubicle next to you. Uh, maybe it's a, an acquaintance or a friend of a friend. Maybe it's one of your good friends. But th- this, is, this is this person. Every time that there is something new on the internet, every time there's a new religion that's all the rage across the world, um, they saw, oh, I saw something on, on, on a late night TV last night, and, and that's got me thinking about this. I have a, a couple of people, some, one person that is in my family, that every time I see him once a year, it's always a new thing. There's always something new. I, I don't know what it's going to be this time, but it's going to be something that, different than last time. 
he's got this idea that, 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 that as a new teaching comes through and it blows through his life, he's got to follow it. He's, got, he's like a rabbit. He's just always just following a new thing. And that's what, what Paul is, the, the, image, the imagery that he's trying to paint. The imagery of tossed and blown about by every wind is, an, is a nautical term. It's a nautical terminology that uh, we've had a lot of storms um, lately, some scary storms, more Oklahoma and, and, and St. Louis recently and, and all over the place. We're not, we're not a stranger to this idea of stormy winds, uh, winds that can pick up a car, pick, that, that can blow away a house, um, that have, have blown away people, tore people away from each other. The, the stormy winds are things that we're accustomed to around here. And Paul, on the, on the high seas of, of the Mediterranean, they, they, they would have had the same idea that, that a, a ship can easily be blown to the west and can easily be blown to the east and north and south by every wind. And he says, don't be like that. Don't be a person that's blown around left and right, to and fro, by every new teaching that comes along. Um, let's look at, uh, if you would, go ahead and throw up uh, Acts 17, 11. You don't have to turn there. We'll have it up on the screen behind me. This is just a great verse to interpret the scripture that we just read. Last, last week, Shane talked about how he, get, he gave us the, the Bible study tool of letting scripture interpret scripture. He's been kind of teaching us about how to study the Bible as we've been going through this series. And so we've got to maybe look at another scripture that kind of helps us interpret Ephesians 4.14. And it says this, and this is uh, talking about a town called Berea. Paul actually went to this, this people in Berea and spoke to them about Christ, spoke to them about the gospel. And, and as he was teaching them and as he was talking to them, uh, they responded in a certain kind of way. Some people responded positively when he went to their town. Some people responded negatively. Let's see what these people did when he went to them. And the people of Berea were more open-minded, that's a good thing, than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Now, at the first part of that verse, we see a, a very good thing. We, we like open-minded people, don't we? We, we like it when, people's not, when someone's not closed-minded. And, and the writer of Acts, it was not Paul, but one of his friends, said when Paul went and talked to these people, they were open-minded. They were open to hear new things. They weren't, they weren't closed-minded and say, well, if it's not something old, we're not interested. They were open-minded to new things. And yet, what does it say at the very bottom of the verse? It says, they searched the scriptures. They had their scriptures in their hands or in their, their scrolls or whatever, day after day, to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. So they were both open-minded, and yet they were maybe a little skeptical, maybe just wanting to test what was being said. So they were both open-minded and skeptical. I think that's what maturity looks like. I think these people were, were very mature. They didn't want to take everything at face value, and yet um, they, they wanted to, to know new things. They, wanted, they were interested in new teachings. Um, let me bring that down here to us. On Sunday mornings or at your small group or whatever, I, I really, really hope that you don't just take everything at face value. Now, now I say that knowing that, that, that things that are taught here are going to be true. I mean, I, I believe in our teachers. I have trust in, in the teachers that teach here. But I, I hope that you don't just hear everything that you hear in life, including what's said here on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights or at your small group, as, at face value, that you just hear it and you believe it immediately. That's not maturity. Maturity is taking your Bible home with you and searching the scriptures. Did, did, what, what Phil said, was that right? What Shane said, was that true? What, what Michael said, what, 
Was that actually the truth? Discover for yourself, learn for yourself, mature for yourself. We can do everything that we can do, but you've got to test it uh, yourself and know it to be true. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one for free before you go. Please come and talk to us. This is a a key thing in, in growing in your life. And then let's look at the other one in verse 15. This idea of speaking the truth in love. Now, it's not enough just to know the truth. We have to share the truth with one another. And, and this can be painful at times when uh, it's not always easy and it's not always uh, a good experience to have someone speak into your life, speak truth into your life. Um, I know it, at times in my life, when I was in college, um, went through kind of a dry time spiritually. I, I had, had accepted Christ and was walking with Christ earlier in life. But through college, as, as a lot of college students do, um, and kind of go through a time where li- life's not right. They're, they're dabbling in things they shouldn't dabble in. And, and, and there were a lot of uh, trajectory changes that I made in college that I'm not proud of and, and that I wish I could go back and change. One of the, one of the things was um, my, my mouth changed a little bit in college. And there was a, at least a, maybe a year, maybe a couple years, I can't remember, uh, where I, I just kind of said whatever I wanted to say. And, and I was around people that, that were the same way as, as me. And I kind of gleaned off. That's not an excuse, but I kind of gleaned off of what they would say. And um, I mean, everything from, from profanity to coarse talk to j- coarse uh, rude jokes and, and, and dirty jokes and, and those kind of things kind of got into that realm for a year or two. And, and, and I had to have someone speak into my life. I had to have someone pull me aside and say, hey, Phil, um, this isn't very Christ-like. This isn't reflecting Jesus Christ. Would, would Christ say these things? And, and, and it, wasn't, it, it wasn't what I wanted to hear that day, to be honest. I, I, if, if I'm being totally honest with you, I didn't respond and go, oh, you're so right about that. Thank you so much. Man, you, I, I am, I'm totally wrong, and you are totally right. Um, I didn't have that reaction. My reaction was, was probably not great. I don't remember exactly what I said. Um, it probably was a, an expletive or something. I don't know. Um, but... but, uh, but no, I, I, I immediately did not respond in this understanding love for my brother that had come to me and, and was trying to expose this in me. Um, it's not always easy. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen puts it like this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron. Now, if iron... Uh, cuts into flesh, there's no resistance. It, if, if you get hit with a sword, there's no resistance. It's just going to go right through you. As iron strikes, as a sword strikes another sword, we've all seen that in movies, there's, there's a spark, right? It's not a pretty situation. It's not a pretty sound. Um, as iron sharpens iron is the analogy that the Bible gives us about how a friend sharpens a friend. And I didn't know it that in that moment, but my friend was sharpening me. He was trying to do his best to say, look, let me sharpen you a little bit. Let me help you get back on track to where, to where you need to be. Help, help, let me help you mature in this area in your life. And I needed that. And, and not, not too long after that, I did, try, I did start to make those changes. And, and I, I don't know, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I ever would have made that, those changes without somebody calling me on it, without somebody saying, look, you... I love you. I'm concerned about you. Um, I, in, in this relationship that we have, this trust that exists between the two of us, I feel like I can say this to you, and I feel like you can, you can accept it. You may not accept it today, but as we walk together and do this life together, let's figure this out. Let's figure this out together. And I needed that, and you need that as well. 
Now, I don't know what you're struggling with um, sin-wise, what sins you maybe have struggling, uh, are struggling with in your life, or maybe something that, that, maybe it's the opposite of that, something you want to start doing that you have just been putting off. It's not enough for, for me or for Shane or for Michael or any of our teachers here, the, the, the people that teach your, your children or your youth, it's not enough for us to speak into your life. It's not. I know that's, that's maybe a shock to some of you, but coming here on Sunday mornings is not good enough. You will not mature just hearing somebody speak at you, speak at a crowd of, pe- of people. You need somebody that's speaking into your life. And let me tell you where the, the key is in all of this. It has to be, it has to be, it has to be in relationship. It has to be in trust. Um, if you do not love the person that you're going to, and let's say you don't hardly even know the person that you're going to to speak the truth into their lives, they will not listen to you, and they will not care what you have to say. You're only going to offend them. You're only going to do damage. It's going to be that iron striking iron, and they're going to back off. You've got to do this in the context of relationship. You've got to do this in the context of trust. Uh, I've been on both sides of that. I've been on the side where, where I spoke into somebody's life and I did not know them and it backfired. I've been in that situation where they spoke into my life and I rejected it because I, they did not know me and, they, and I, I didn't even see, feel that they loved me. So when you go to this person, let me give you a couple things that you need to say. I'm messed up. You're messed up. We're both messed up. We both have a long ways to go. Am I to the, the full and complete standard of Christ? Am I to the bar that's been set? No. But you're not either. Let, let's figure this out together. Let's, let me help you because I love you. I have great concern for you in your life and I want to help you grow. Let me help you do that. Let me help you um, mature and achieve the goals that you have. Now, when Christ, Christ exemplified this in the Bible, when you look, especially when you look at the, the Gospel of John, Jesus loved to interact with people on a one-on-one basis. He loved those moments where he just had alone time with one person. And in chapter 3 of John and chapter 4, all of, almost all of chapter 3, if not all of it, is one person, just Jesus talking with one person. Most of chapter 4 is him talking to a woman uh, who is sitting by a well. And how he interacted with those two people, completely different. You would think that Jesus was, was this guy that was stoic, that he just always said the same thing all the time to everybody. That's not true. In, verse, in chapter 3, when Jesus goes to Nicodemus, he, Nicodemus is a religious person. He's a guy that thinks that he's got it all together, and, and, and he doesn't need help from anybody. He's, he's a teacher of the law. He's a Pharisee. And Jesus goes to him and says, I'm just going to tell it like it is. I'm, you need to hear this. Um, this. This has got to change in your life. You've got to be born again. When in the, you flip the page and you go over to chapter 4, and there's this woman who's broken. She's had five husbands. The, the person that she's sleeping with is not her husband. She is a broken person. She, her life has given her lemons, and she's just living in that. And, and Christ approaches her in a loving way. He approaches her in a, in a, in a sacrificial way. He, he, he talks to her about water, and you need, you need water, and I can give you that water. And, and he's, he approaches her in a way that says, help, let me help you. Let me help you get out of this life, out of this lifestyle. So let me say this to us, and I need to hear this as well in my own life, but our goal as believers is not to just look for every chance to just speak the truth, speak the truth, swing our swords, swing our swords, everybody we come in contact with. That's for people who are in the church. 
That's for people who ha- we have relationship with. These are people that need to hear the truth and they need to hear it in love, as we saw in verse 15. We speak the truth in love to those people. Now, Jesus led with love, not truth, when, when it came to people who are outside of the church. So let's not be the, the, the Christians these days get such a horrible, embarrassing rap that, that we just love to tell people what to think. And we love to pe- tell people what to do with their lives. And if you're not doing this, then, then you can't be one of us. And that's, that's complete bull. I, I, what we need to do is we need to say, look, first, I love you. I'm, I, I want you to be accepted, and Crosspoint is a place where you can be accepted. My, my life is a place where you can feel safe, and, and we lead with love. But for those who are in the church, those who already know Christ, we lead with truth, but we've got to speak the truth in love. So that's building our car strong. We, we, we don't, first we looked at building our car, that we've got to set this, we've got this bar that's been set for us, and we've got to uh, achieve, we've got to strive towards that goal, but we've also got to help each other equip, uh, be equipped to strive towards that goal. And then the secondly, we looked at building our car strong, that, that we, we can't just use any old parts as we're building this vehicle, as we're going down this road, down this journey of identity that we're all on together, this body of Christ it's not enough just to, to use everyday parts. We can't just grab you know, the cheapest hose for the, for the engine or the cheapest lug nut or, or the cheapest pist- piston. We have to build, get strong parts for our car, and we do that primarily in two ways. We're not easily swayed by new teachings, but we test everything. We're not afraid of new teachings either. We test, 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 and, and, and learn, learn, learn through those new teachings. And we also speak the truth into one in each other's lives. If you don't have anyone speaking into your life, you're not going to mature. And if you're not speaking into somebody else's life, they're probably not going to mature. So we can have all the, the, the strongest parts for our car, but, but if, if all those parts don't fit together into one cohesive engine for the car, that car is not going to run. We, we can't just throw the parts any, anywhere we want. Those car, those car parts have to fit well. So the last point this morning is that if we're going to build this car to go on this journey, we've got to build the car well. Let's look at verse 16, the last verse that we're looking at this morning. It says, he, that's Christ. We just, we're talking about how Christ is the head of the church. Christ makes the whole body, the, the church, fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You can see that Christ, as, as Christ, the head of the, of the church, the, the, the builder of this car, the ultimate builder of this car, is taking all of these strong parts and bringing them together. He's not just doing it willy-nilly. He's not just throwing parts everywhere. He's intentionally making the, the, all of the parts of the car fit together perfectly. Um, I don't watch a lot of NASCAR. I don't watch any NASCAR, let's be honest. Uh, I can't stand it. It's, it's so boring. Um, but if you're into NASCAR, I apologize. Um, but, but what I hear, what Shane tells me at least, I don't think he watches a lot of NASCAR either, but what he hears is that, that occasionally you'll hear announcers say something like, you know, it was the smallest part of the engine, it was the smallest part of the car, and yet it took him out of the race. So those of you who, who watch NASCAR, you've heard that, right? It was the smallest, it was the lug nut, it was the hose that, that blew, and it, and, it, and it was just a small little $2 part, but it, it took the whole car out of the race. What Paul is saying here, and what, what he's using the analogy of the body, we're using the analogy of the car, is that every piece matters. Every part matters. And last week, again, if you miss it, you need, really need to go back and listen to it. It was a great message that Shane gave. But we all have different 
roles in, in this engine that we're building. So uh, I might be a lug nut, you might be a piston, you might be a hose, you might be a, a, a filter or something like that. We all have our ident- identity uh, role in this, in, in this engine, in this car that we're building. And we all fit together perfectly. But that means that no matter how small you, you might feel or how, how big you might feel in this body of Christ, that every person is vital. Every, every person is unique and, and vital and important to the car itself. Um, Jessica and I went uh, bike riding yesterday. It's the first time we've been bike riding. I've been bike riding a long time. I think it's been a long time for her as well. Our, our tires had zero air in them. And so we had to, to, to air them up and we went out biking. And as I was biking, there, all parts of my body were in motion, but my legs were doing all, almost all of the work, 90% of the work. My arms were maybe moving a little bit, but my legs were doing pretty much all of the work. But guess what? My whole body got the benefit from it. We felt better after we had, had, had we, we rode our bikes for about 40 minutes or so. At the end of that 40-minute exercise, we, our whole body felt better. Everything from uh, my, my calves to, to even my, my chest to, to my arms. I mean, everything in my body felt better, even though my arms didn't do anything in, in, in involved in the bike riding process. So when one part, he's, Paul says this in another part of Scripture, he says when one part um, has success, all the other parts rejoice with that part. When one part suffers, all the other parts suffer. Going back to NASCAR, if that one part suffers, if that hose blows, the whole engine suffers. The whole, that car is out of the race and it has to go back into the pit. And so we have to be concerned for one another. It's not enough for, for me just to grow independently of you. I've got to help you. I've got to equip you. I've got to help you grow and achieve the goals that God has for you. Um, that's about all I had for this morning. I, want, I do want to say one more thing, and, and I didn't see this from, from the scripture, but it's just something that I've, I've seen as I've been growing up in church. Um, do not think, when, I, when I've been saying the word mature, um, I think oftentimes we think of someone who's older than us, that, that if that person is further on in age than, than me, that they must by default be mature, and that somebody by default is someone that's younger than me, five or ten years younger, they must be less mature. That's, that's a mistake. I, I would not go there when it comes to spiritual maturity. Um, physical maturity does not necessarily mean spiritual maturity. Someone that is 10 years older than you may have only been walking with Christ for a couple years, and so they are not as mature as you are if you've been walking with Christ for maybe 20 years. Um, and, and the opposite is true as well. The key is not to find somebody who is older than you um, necessarily, although that, that person could be very mature, the idea is to find somebody who is more spiritually mature than you. How do you find that person? It's what we talked about today. Um, do they feel, do they seem to you like they're grounded in their faith? Um, do you see them uh, speaking the truth in love, especially to you in your life? Um, that would be, be a good signs of a person who is mature in Christ. So I want to leave you with a couple challenges um, this morning. The band can go ahead and come up, and we're going to go ahead and close with a song. What I want to challenge you with is, is this. If you, this morning, if, if I've been talking about mature people, if, if you're a believer, if you're not a believer this morning, um, I'm so glad that you were here this morning. This is a great message to come and hear this morning because you can see what the big picture looks like of following Christ, that it's a journey, that it's not an instant, that if you've known people around you that call themselves Christians and yet they live lives that are not at all Christian-like at all, um, that's normal. That, that's, we're all on this process and we're all getting better. 
Um, but if, you're, if you are a believer this morning, I want to challenge you. If I said, if I, when I was talking about a mature person and nobody, no one's name came to mind, no one's face came to your mind, your job, your goal this, this week, sometime this week, is, or maybe even this morning, is to think of who that person is. I want you to think about who is that mature person that can speak into your life. Um, I don't count, Shane doesn't count, unless I, unless I know you. I know a few of you here in the room, but, but if you don't know the person, that's not a good, a good person to, to call a, a person who can equip you. Think of who that person is. If you already know that person, if, you are, if, if I said mature person, you already thought of this person, that, that person's name came immediately to your mind. I want you to, your goal this week is to go to that person, to go and talk to that person and say, would you speak to my, into my life? I give you permission to speak into my life. Um, let me say this. I, I think a lot of us don't have people speaking into our lives because we haven't let them yet. Um, I know in my life in the past, it's not that people weren't willing to speak into my life, but it's because I blocked them from doing so. I, from either the way I, my body language or the way that I talked, I didn't want them to speak into my life. And if you go to them and you invite them in, they will speak. They will, if you, if you give them permission, they will speak into your life. So think of who that person is. If you already know who that person is, I want you to, to plan on going to them. Maybe even this morning before you leave the room, if they're in the room here with you, maybe you need to just, just talk to them before we go. Um, let me pray for you because this is, this is a, a, a thing that's near and dear to my heart. And I hope it is to yours as well. We all want to achieve the full and complete standard of Christ, but we need each other to do that. We need to equip and mature one another. So let's, let's pray. Let me pray for you. Um, God, we, we want to do these things. We want to achieve the goal, this standard, the bar has been set so, so much higher than we could ever set for ourselves. And yet we know that, that it's a journey, it's an adventure that we get to go on with you and with the people who are around us, the people who are sitting next to us, in front of us, behind us. Maybe they're not in the room. Maybe it's somebody, a family member or a coworker. But, but you have put these people around us to equip us and for us to equip them. So I pray for, for every believer that's here this morning that, that as they strive to grow in you, as they strive to, be, to achieve these, this goal that you've set for them, that you would surround them with people that love them, surround them with people who want to do relationship with them and that would be willing to speak truth into their life in love and that they would be willing to do that for them as well or maybe for a different person. Lord, uh, don't let us off the hook on this. As we go through this week, don't let us forget the things that we've heard this morning and the scripture that we've read. Let us, let us have the, the, um, the, the feet to go and, to, and, and the words to say, to speak into people and to let them speak into our lives. We love you, God, and, and help us just to, to, to always do this until we are as mature uh, as you, which is not gonna happen in this life, but it's gonna, it's gonna get better and better with every day. We love you, God, and we worship you. And I pray, amen.